Welcome to Talking with the Animals, an exploration of animal communication. Join animal communicator, craniosacral therapist, and NES practitioner Caroline Pope as she discusses how to understand other species as they truly are, not just from the human perspective. That's right, Mecco. Discover how communicating with our four-legged friends can open up a whole new world for both of you. And now, your host and Australia's most recognized and well-known animal communicator, Caroline Pope. Hello, and welcome to Talking with the Animals. I'm your host, Caroline Pope. Thank you for joining me. Now, today... I'm going to be covering, or look, I'm going to be honest, this really is a bit of a rant, so bear with me on this one. Uh, The expectations we have on our animals, specifically after getting them from a shelter. I was looking at covering this topic at some stage because on Tuesday, Cup Day this year for us in Melbourne, I've had my MECO, my Saplanonac, a year from Australian Canine Rescue. Thanks again, Kerry. I've got a brilliant dog, thanks to you, and I'll always be grateful. But I'd never expected my dog to come in and be a push-button puppy. I knew Mecco had quite a bit of history, quite a bit of baggage, and I knew it would take as long as it took to work through. As it is, even in the last three to four weeks, so I'll have had him 11 months by then. His behaviour continues to change. I, we begin to get new challenges as he's finally starting to feel settled. Having a house move in the middle of that probably didn't help short term, but I think long term it's been a really good thing for him. But again, a year. And I know there's still more work to be done. My horse Swagman, I knew when I took him on, I'm expecting two years. I might be lucky, I might get something a little earlier before I can ride him, but it will be two years of serious rehab. Now, I I knew this when I took him on, so, you know, that's fine. But you need to give your animals time. And it was a particular phone call uh, this week to me that set this rant off. But I had also been looking at it when I've now seen there's apparently, and I'll be honest, I have not watched the shows, but I know there's a UK one and and I believe an Australian one now as well. Television shows about people adopting puppies. Now, whilst I'm not against this, I would really love to see the producers be a lot more honest and a lot more cutesy BS. I'd also like to see follow-ups, three, six, and 12 months, and how the animals are doing, and people being real. But you don't see these. Unfortunately, reality TV, as they call it, is never real. Seeing children on the show going, I want a puppy. Well, hey, kid, I want 20 million bucks and um, meeting Kiss, neither of which I can see is going to happen, certainly not in the foreseeable future. Just because your child wants a dog, and don't get me wrong, I'm animal mad, was desperate for a dog, was never allowed to have one when we were growing up. My father didn't want one, didn't want the responsibility. Doesn't mean your child should get one. 
I'm often horrified at people that get coolies and kelpies and healers and border collies and expect them to be calm in an apartment all day. None of this takes the animal's needs into consideration. Now, this particular phone call or text that I got was at the crack of dawn one morning, and it's from a lady in an interstate animal shelter. Um, my mother actually got a dog through this lady many, many years ago, and I know a um, friend of mine is an animal naturopath and T-Touch practitioner and a whole lot of stuff interstate, and she has done some work with this woman's shelter, so hence if there's any ship down to Melbourne, I'm on a radar of um, people that can potentially help. Now, she'd done all the legwork. She'd apparently done a lot of discussion with this woman who decided she wanted American Staffy, Amstaff for short. And this woman lived well over the other side of Melbourne, but still within Melbourne, so that's why I was called. And she had adopted this dog. Now, I know this shelter owner. I know she'll have gone through all the stuff about having a quiet um, area for the dog when you get it, you know, crates, crate training, balance, leash for walking, whole box and dice, calming music, rescue remedy, all of it. Um, and apparently she even called the woman the day before the dog was shipped down to make sure she had everything, uh, that the, the woman that was getting the dog had everything it needed before the dog got there. Yes, 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 got everything. That night, when the dog got down there, that night, the woman had already decided she'd only had the dog a few hours, that it was too much and she wanted to send the dog back. Now, what do you think that does for the dog? She's saying he's stressed. Well, gee whiz, he's just come from a, um, New South Wales to Victoria. He's itchy. Well, yes, a lot apparently of the um, transport people use hay. So a lot of dogs will react to that. And American Staffies or Amstaffs are pretty well known for skin conditions. Uh, and I had, and I quote, I had no idea how strong he was or how much he pulled to walk. Well, the dog's stressed. Why are you trying to walk it for starters when you've only had it a couple of hours? And, you know, why are you expecting a dog that you've known for less than three hours to walk beautifully and well-behaved on a leash. And this is what this woman was expecting. So this particular um, shelter person had been told, you need to get the dog movers ASAP. So in the interim, she made a bunch of suggestions to calm the dog down, blah, blah, blah. When she'd contacted me, oh, it wouldn't have been any more than eight o'clock in the morning. And this woman was asking, when are the dog people, dog movers coming back? Um, it's outside. I'm on work calls. Now, if you've just got a dog the night before, why are you locking it out and doing work calls? You take a couple of days off for both of you to help to settle. No, I don't want it. It's too strong. It's too much work. He's sweet. I feel bad but I don't want him anymore and my mother's frightened of him. So this dog was incredibly lucky. Through absolutely no fault of his own, he's been set up to fail, but at least someone's gone, she's got the dog movers and he's going back 
up interstate. And it's a very lucky dog because in a lot of Melbourne shelters and shelters throughout Australia, there would be no second chances because somebody wanted a fairy tale, somebody wanted a dog that looked like, and there are a lot of Amstaffs through that particular region of Melbourne that looked like that, they wanted one. Now, if you want one of those, why haven't you tried to walk one? He's too strong to walk was one of her things. He pulls too much and he's too strong for me. Why haven't you found this out? And if this woman's listening and feels that I'm picking on her, you're right, I am. It's a perfect example of how to potentially kill a dog. And, you know, it's not the dog's fault. This dog was lucky. But when you look at the stress and the trauma this dog has gone through because someone didn't do their homework, how do you think the dog's going to feel? Could you blame this dog if it then becomes stressed about car travel? These are the sorts of things we have to look at. If you want a big dog, and lots of people love my subplanonac and think they want one, I can promise you I talk every single one of them out of it. And much as I love and adore Mecco, unless I'm on property, he's my last SARP. He's my last 70 kilo dog because I'm 54. And when he lunges and pulls, he can be strong. And it doesn't happen often, but you only need once. I'm hoping I have him till I'm 60. I'd really love to get another six years out of it. Don't know that'll happen. But if I can, I'm then 60, taking on a large, you know, 70 to 80 kilo dog in a lot of cases. It's not realistic. Therefore, I won't do it because it's not fair for the dog. If you're looking at getting a Great Dane or a you know, Sarp or any sort of large dog, large shepherd even, I tend to think of 45 and 50 kilo dogs as medium, but I'm fully aware most people think of them as large. Are you able to hold that dog? Have a think about it. These are all the sorts of things you need to know. Another one, does your dog fit comfortably in your car? The amount of dogs I see struggling with back pain, large Danes and stuff, because their owners have tiny little Corollas, Hyundais, Minis, those sorts of things. And you, know, you need to look at your car if you're getting a large dog. Is my dog going to be able to fit comfortably? And also, if it is a large dog, as it's getting older, am I going to be able to help my dog in and out of the car? These are the sorts of things. I had a client not so long ago that had got a dog um, from a shelter again, wound up that it's got back and um, hip issues. Not uncommon in a lot of golden retrievers. So yeah, that's just how it is. But this client had, and I mean, they look, they were, they were beautiful parquetry floors. I'm the first to say, really stunning. He loves wood, superb. But this dog was struggling because it was on a slippery parquetry floor. And I said to him, you need to get mats. They don't have to be pretty. They can be cheap from Bunnings. You can just use a grace rubber back stuff, but your dog needs that. Oh no, I'm not prepared to cover my beautiful floor for the sake of my dog. 
Again, completely unrealistic. Why are you getting the dog? Cats. I had one from a shelter several years ago and she'd been, it was a no-kill shelter, so Karma had been there for several years. Bunch of issues. I expected her to have a bunch of issues when she got out because very few cats that have been in such a small space for such a long period of time are going to be able to cope with a large space all at once. Um, I expected issues. I was incredibly fortunate. Didn't have them. She loved the space. She was a really happy cat. Did really, really well. But people expect that the cat, despite the fact that most cats be uh, that are close to what I call the original blueprint of cat, will hide up in wardrobes or under beds and it will take a cat often from a shelter a couple of weeks before they're comfortable with the family. I have people ring me up, I don't want this cat anymore. Why won't it come out? Well, how long have you had it? 48 hours. Give it three or four weeks. Oh no, I want a cat now. Can I send it back and get another? These are the sorts of expectations we have. And I think some of it is fueled by these so-called reality TV shows. Look and ask yourself, why am I getting this animal? What are my expectations? Do I have any expectations? Why am I getting this animal? Why do I want a dog from a shelter? That's a really big one to ask yourself. Now, don't get me wrong. As I've said, most of my animals have been from shelters. There is nothing wrong with a shelter dog. They're great. And people that say, oh, but they're more work. No, puppies are a lot of work too. It's just different work. However, examine your motives as to why you want to get a inverted commas shelter dog or rescue dog because it is a label we humans put on the dogs. And I've had clients, dog was being an absolute brat and that's the very, very polite version. And the owner's going, oh, well, it was because he was in his shelter till he was six months old. Yes, we've well, had him 12 months, 12 years, I'm sorry, and he's still an asshole. No excuse. We do that. We label. So have a good look at yourself and the expectations that you have, probably without realizing it, as to why you're getting a dog from a shelter and why you want a dog. Your kids might want a dog. If you don't have the right fencing, and don't even start me on the amount of country people or people in rentals like myself, but they don't have good fencing and the landlord's not going to pay for it and they still think they're going to get a dog. Completely and utterly selfish and unrealistic. If your kids want a dog and you don't have the space or the setup for a dog, fob them off to the nearest animal shelter. Take them there and get them to volunteer to walk the dogs. Get them to volunteer to go and scrub kennels and clean poo because that's all part of having an animal. It's the same as so-called rescue horses. I got um, Arwen from the Echuca sales. I was bidding against the meat man. And so many people went, oh, isn't it lovely you rescued her? No, I bought her from the sales. I didn't rescue her. But people's expectations are that you've saved them, You'll put them in a paddock, they'll be fat and shiny, and you'll all live happily ever after. 
none of which happened for Arwen. She had a great life. She did get fat and shiny, um, but her injuries from the trucking accident were too bad, and that's ultimately what took her out. But again, I didn't rescue her. I bought her. Have a good think about why you're choosing to get, if it's a horse from the sales, why are you getting a horse from the sales? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. There's not, and there's some fabulous horses there. But have a good think about why you're choosing to get one from the sales versus going and buying a horse privately out of a private sale. Look at your expectations. And if you do get a horse from the sale yard, are you really honestly expecting to get on and ride it within a week and be able to go trail riding? Look at your expectations. These, this is what I'm asking you to do. Look at your expectation of why you're doing what you're doing and how you expect this animal to fit in because it's a huge, huge adjustment for the animal. And once upon a time, we had a much more realistic expectation of our animal. We would turn around, for example, I remember my great uncle telling me you could leave your hat at the MCG and they would, you know, your dog would be sitting next to it and everyone would know that that was your seat. You wouldn't touch the hat or the dog. You'd know it was reserving your seat while you went and got a beer or a meat pie or whatever you got. These days, a kid or a parent would have the expectation that they can take the hat and pat the dog. The dog's behaviour hasn't changed in the last 50 or 100 years. Our expectations have. So have a really good think about that and look at what is natural and appropriate for an animal's behaviour. And best case scenario, don't get me wrong, it's always awesome when it happens. But also look at worst case, the old trust in God but lock your car. If this animal is incredibly stressed, if your cat sprays, if your dog that you've just got from the shelter is a fence jumper, are you going to be able to set up a, um, you know, a shelter or fence off part of the yard appropriately with a roof for the dog? Start having realistic conversations before you get the animal. Am I going to be able to dedicate enough time every day? Particularly now we're out of lockdown. Am I going to be able to provide the animal with the stimulation that it requires? If something goes wrong, am I going to be able to deal with it? I always have to be with Mecco fairly close to the car because I know with his thoracic injuries, his right front leg can become paralyzed. If it does, I've still got to be able to get him in the car and to a vet. These are the sorts of things you need to be aware of before you take. If you think your child's allergic there is a, to dog or cat hair, there is absolutely no guarantee if you get a Labradoodle or a Poodle that it's going to be one with the so-called hypoallergenic coat. What are you going to do if your child develops an allergy? Start thinking about this. Are you and your children going to be strong enough to hold your particular breed of dog, if it's a dog or a horse? 
Are you going to be able to go out every single day? What's your backup plan? You need a backup plan regardless of your animal. All these things we need to think of because I actually heard from this Amstaff, going back to the um, Amstaff from the shelter, and he was absolutely heartbroken. I very rarely hear from dogs because, as I've said before, I don't tune in. He asked me, what have I done wrong, followed by, are they going to kill me for this? And that was heartbreaking. Through no fault of his own, and as I've said, this dog is incredibly lucky, he'll go back into state, and the shelter person, it'll be like the Spanish Inquisition trying to get this dog again, which is as it should be. But And I don't blame her at all, because I know she's done everything she can and she can only go with the feedback she gets from people. But always remember, look at the expectations you have and look at your potential worst case scenario because no dog or cat or horse should die because of someone's unrealistic expectations. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking with the Animals, or all right, I'll admit, rant over, rant of Talking with the Animals. Again, I'm your host, Caroline Pope. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and please, I'd really love to hear from you and your comments. I'm trying to put something together in regards to this topic, um, perhaps even to go to television producers, because I really would like to see, let's just say, a little more reality in reality TV. So I really would love your feedback on this topic. So feel free, Facebook, Messenger, Instagram, Twitter, whatever social you use, or my website, please drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. Enjoy if Melbourne. Enjoy the freedom while you have it. And until next time, remember to talk with the animals. Thank you for listening to Talking with the Animals. To learn more about Caroline and the services she provides, visit caroline-pope.com. You can also find her on Facebook at Caroline Pope Animal Communicator CST and NES Therapy. Are you ready to change the way you see your world and the animals in it? Well, we know his answer. Don't forget to subscribe and see you next time.